And I was thinking, I want to preach to you today about the church. And the title of my message is Be the Church. Be the church. We are the church, so why would we not be the church? So I, I, it's interesting, as I was studying, it, it, it occurred to me that growing up in church, I've, I've been around some people that I didn't like. Y'all with me? In church, church people. And it occurred to me that the very solution for the world and the very solution for the church is still the same problem with the church. People. Right? The people, Jesus, he's, he's like, this is my plan right here. Everybody say, I'm the plan. So, now I'd like to hear it with a little conviction. Say, I'm the plan. <laughs> there you go. I'm the plan. He don't have another plan besides you and me. And I'm like, whoa, he must be hard of him. Because I'm like, oh, wow. You want to use me. Anybody feel that way that God could actually use you to do anything? But the same solution is really the problem. And so I've, in, in my whole career of, like I preached my first sermon when I was 16, so this, this year is like, it sounds, don't judge me, but I've been preaching for 50 years. Like, for 50 years. The first church I ever pastored was the Lone Star Cowboy Church 20 years ago. So prior to that, that first 30 years, we were out. We did some church work for uh, early in those early years with, with youth, but for the most part, we, we, we were just missionaries. We used to do church services for the cowboys at the rodeos, and we would travel on the rodeo circuit, and we'd rope, but we'd also do church services. We were kind of just like missionaries that would go to a foreign country, our, except our foreign country was to the rodeos, and we'd do church services for them. And we did the very first church service in 1976 at the College National Finals Rodeo. That was the first service that anybody had ever done at the College National Finals, and we did that in Bozeman, Montana. We were able to travel a lot. I grew up in, a, in, in church, and my dad was a pastor of the church, and, and some of y'all may not know this about me, but when I was growing up, I told God that I would never, you know what I'm fixing to say, right? Never pastor a church. Because I knew what it was like to be a pastor. And so I got tricked into it. After we was a chaplain, I was a chaplain at Sam Houston Race Park at the horse racetrack for six years from 94 to the year 2000. We came up here in 2000. We started doing Monday night church. So we, I thought, if it's on a Monday night, it's not a real church. <laughs> and I'm not a real pastor. So after we... 
we were all over the place for the first couple of years and we wound up buying this property, doing church service in a tent down there. And then we did one service, then we do two service, wound up doing three services a weekend in a tent when it was hot and when it was cold. I mean, we, we actually had an air conditioning in the tent. It was like trying to air condition the world. <laughs> but I'll never forget, it was a Monday night, and God really laid it on my heart that we needed to start having church on Sunday morning. And you know what my response is. I'm sure you do, because you're human. <laughs> my response was, well, if we did that, it would be a real church. And you know I'm not a real pastor. Anybody ever try to argue with God about something you didn't want to do? Raise your hand, it'd be good for you. How many knows that God always knows what's best for you, and sometimes we don't really know what's best for us? Many times we don't know what's best for us. So the rest, as they say, is history. God cares enough about you that he would make me a pastor. (laughs) I got to preach this sermon. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 Excuse me, verse 18. He said, uh, and I tell you that you are Peter. Jesus is talking. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Prior to this scripture, Jesus asked Peter the question, who do you say that I am? He asked Peter because I think he thought that Peter needed to have the answer to who Christ was before he could ever understand what Peter's purpose was. So he asked a question to Peter. He said, who do you say that I am? And it's a good question for all of us to answer. At the end of the day, Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, ding, 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 all the bells go off. You're right, Peter. You are correct. I am the Christ, the son of the living God. And and then Jesus makes this statement. He He said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He wasn't saying that he would build his rock his, his church on Peter, but that Peter would be a part of his church, but he would build his church, church on the fact that he was and is the Christ, the son of the living God. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates, it doesn't matter if the COVID's going on. It doesn't matter what, all the, all the 
agenda of the world is going on outside. He said, I'm going to build my church. And then he takes people like you. He takes people like Randy Weaver. He takes people like all these people we got. And he says, I'm going to build my church. And he takes flawed people to build a perfect church. Whoa, what a deal. Jesus said, I will build my church. That's our confidence. The word, the word church is used twice by Jesus and recorded for, for us only in the gospel of Matthew. Here it is in Matthew 16, then in, again in Matthew 18. But now I believe that we know that the church, we know by now that the church is not a building, right? We know that. By the way, Jesus did not build any building or monument. It might blow some people's mind. Never thought about that. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, foxes have their holes. The birds of the air have their nests. But the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. He didn't even have a house. (laughs) Interesting, isn't it? He died leaving a group of believers. His legacy was that whose lives are transformed by his word and his presence. That was his inheritance that he left. That's the legacy that he left. And someone that never built a building, somebody that never built a monument. Today, people continue to build monuments and buildings in his name. He didn't value the building, but he did value the people. And when you make it about each other and you make it about God and we stop making it about ourselves, then God comes down and his presence changes our circumstance. In order for our circumstance to change, we have to change. We have to make it about him. Our job is to never to make it about us, but to make it about him. And the thing that he makes it all about is the church. So when we honor the church, meaning we honor each other, and when we love the church, in other words, when we love each other, he said the two main commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor. As yourself, when when you've done that, you've fulfilled all the laws. All the other commandments will be fulfilled because you won't want to be doing those things that he said don't do because you love him enough to honor him and respect him and you honor, honor, love, and respect your neighbor. That's what church is all about. Clearly, the church refers to the body of believers. It is not a building. It's not even really an institution. It's not one specific religion. It's not a specific organization, but it's bigger than anybody could ever adequately describe or even explain. The church is a moving organism that it's hard to explain because God's in the middle of it. And when people's lives are changed by people who are flawed individuals, but submit to his word and they say, Jesus says, I want you to go get baptized. They come up here and they get in line and they wait and they go over here and they get baptized and they come back. They get all wet in church and and it's like, oh, who made this stuff up? But there's something about let's stay with me here there's something about being obedient to God maybe it doesn't always make sense to you but you're like man you know what if he said it if he said do it he must have had a reason for it so I'm just gonna 
jump in the middle of it. And then whenever we move by faith, then God's heart is blessed. And also the people around us are blessed because we have bought into the kingdom of God. And he said on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The church was not even the believer's idea. They, they didn't come together to form the church. It wasn't the people's deal. It was Jesus' deal. This is what he prophesied. I will build. He builds the church. He builds people spiritually. To, and he also said that we are created for the purpose of worship. By the way, if you're uncomfortable with worshiping Jesus now, you're going to be really uncomfortable in heaven. You're not going to like it much. It's like, it's like we're going to be doing a lot of that. But if you love being in the presence of God and you're, you, you're a up with God and being in his presence and you see it as one of the most valuable gifts that you can give to God, you're going to really enjoy heaven. I could get off on that, but I don't have time. So the word church in Greek is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. Everybody say, I'm called out. (laughs) We're the called out ones, called out from the world and then called out to the world by God to reach, teach, and disciple those who will respond to the call. In other words, we're called out of the world so that we can come and grow spiritually and be strong and mature in the church. But then after we grow and be strong and mature in Christ, then we're called back out to the world to reach the world to come back into the church. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. We got to get this out. We always say that, don't we? I'm going to church. Going to church. We say that, right? Well, what we're really saying is I'm going to myself because I'm the church. (laughs) I do it too. I'm like, I'm going to the church. That's the way it is. So the church is not something we attend. It is something we are. Church isn't a place. It's a people. We are the church. You are the church. This may blow some minds today, but we don't really need a building to exist. Amen. <laughs> we don't really, I mean... In the early days, in the early churches, they didn't even have, they met in homes. Much like what our people are doing today, watching on the line, they're meeting in the homes. This this building business is something that we use to facilitate and to enhance the presence of God so we can come together and have a greater impact on our community. If the church is not meeting to go out, the church is meeting in vain. We are not here just to get from God what we need. We are here to get from God what we need so we can take what we get here out into the world and minister to the world. 
And if we didn't have what we have today, we couldn't have the organization so that we can, we can send out missionaries, so that we can, we can raise money for the community, so that we can give, give meat to those who can't afford to have meat. I'm getting ahead of my sermon. I hate it when I do that, but that's a truth. It's a truth. So we ask the question, if we don't need a building, why do we have a building? It helps us to become more effective in reaching and teaching, discipling. Whenever, whenever we, we were going all over the place when we first came to Montgomery doing church services um, in the community building, there was an old West Town scene over here at the Texas Perfection Ranch, at the Price Ranch, different places. And I was like, man, Lord, we need a place. And this place came available, and it was just miraculous. I mean, I could sit here and tell you miracle after miracle after miracle that happened so that we could have this place. But I remember wrestling with whether I should go to the bank or not. Y'all with me? Because yeah. I'm like, the, I, I do believe this, that the servant is a lender uh, you know what I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, the borrower is a servant to the lender. And so I'm like, man. So here, here's how I justified it. I figured we would be using the bank instead of the bank using us. And because of that, we were able to get this and to, to really elevate everything that happened here because we had a place where we could, where we could gather together. Peter eventually, after Jesus had talked to him, he understood what the church means. He described it in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. He said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, I'm, I'm, I know some, that, that might be blowing some of y'all's minds right now. You're, you're part of the priesthood. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a born-again believer, Dad, you're the priest over your own home. I'll wait on you a minute. <laughs> a royal priesthood. Now, that goes contrary to a lot of churches that want to be not just in control, but controlling. Because we are royal priests, what that means is that we have access to God. Back in the Old Testament, they didn't have access to God. Only the high priest had access to God, and he would go in once a year to offer sacrifices for all the people. But when Jesus died on the cross, in that place where the presence of God dwelt, the veil of that temple was torn in two, and it released the presence of God because Jesus is now the perfect sacrifice. We don't have to sacrifice animals anymore, but we can come boldly. Everybody say boldly. We can come boldly into the presence of God, and that's what priests do. And what a blessing to get up in the morning and kneel down at your couch and come into the presence of God because you are a royal priesthood, not just 
priest, you're royalty because you are a part of the family of God. The king of kings and the Lord of lords died so that you could come and be a part of the royal family of God. I hope somebody's getting a hold of this this morning. You are royalty. When it comes to God's perspective on you, you're something else. You're just like special. royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does that mean? It means that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is a holy nation. It's set apart for a purpose, the purpose of worship, the purpose of reaching and teaching and discipling and bringing people into the kingdom of God. We have a purpose. That's what that word holy means. It means to be set apart for a specific purpose. You are here for a reason. You're here for a purpose because you are a royal priesthood. You have access to the presence presence of God. By the way, that's what we have felt so far this morning is the presence of God. That's what we feel right now is God's presence in our lives. He said we could have access because of his supreme sacrifice. We are family. A holy nation of people belonging to God. That's the answer to why church, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into a wonderful light. No longer does the light offend us. We like it because it exposes what's in the dark. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Anybody need some of that this morning? Anybody need some of that mercy thing? If you've been living in the same world I've been living in, you could probably use a little bit of mercy this morning. That's our God. That's the church, the people of God, that we may worship and declare the praises of God both individually and corporately. We are the church. Wherever we are, that's where the church is. <laughs> Back when we were rodeoing and we were doing church services at the rodeos, we were in... Um, I think Laramie, Wyoming, and uh, we were getting ready to do a church service, and so we we went and bought a couple dozen donuts, and we had coffee and stuff, because we, we like to, I mean, like, Jesus said we were supposed to be fishers of men, so we, donuts are good bait <laughs> if you're a fisherman for people. You, what are you laughing at? You know what I'm talking about. So we got a couple dozen donuts, and what we didn't realize was that they was running, that there was, in Dodge City, Kansas, that that rodeo was running that slack, which is everybody that doesn't go in the performance, uh, that, that evening. And so everybody, all the cowboys jumped in their trucks, took off to Dodge, Dodge City. Had one lady in the stand in the grandstand, she was sitting there waiting for church. My brother, me and my brother was doing it, and, and he's like, what do you think we ought to do? I'm like, well, I guess we better have church. We've got, got 
one lady here. <laughs> so we, uh, we fed her all the donuts she wanted. <laughs> and uh, I led this, I started, I did the singing, of course it was solo. And then uh, Russ preached, and at the end of the sermon, we got to know her. Her name was Red Thompson. She was the first saddle bronc, lady saddle bronc rider in the state of Wyoming. And it, it, she's an older lady. She was cooking at a ranch there. And she, she heard about the church service and came for church. So Russ got through preaching, and he said, Red, he said, I don't know about your, you know, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior or not, or if, uh, what your relationship is like with God. But if you've never accepted Jesus, he said, I'd like to give you that opportunity and I'll never forget her response. She said this. She said, that's why I came. We were tempted to drive off with everybody else. But God had a plan. And it's not always, listen to me, it's not always about the numbers. In fact, very seldom is it about the numbers. It's about the individuals. When the individuals get it right, the numbers increase. You see, she, uh, her, her daughter uh, came to the Lord, and a, part, a good part of the whole family came to the Lord because Red Thompson gave her life to Jesus that Sunday morning. And, uh, and we almost drove off. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't drive off when, when you needed him? Aren't you glad that he died on the cross for you as well as everybody else? That he doesn't go around picking and choosing who he loves or he doesn't love, who he wants in his kingdom or who he doesn't want in his kingdom. Some churches preach that, but I don't believe it's biblical because my Bible says whosoever will may come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that Whosoever believes, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm glad that God loves me enough to send the church to me. The church does not only come to life only on Sundays. It is the living body of Christ with a heartbeat that beats all week as well on Sundays and Mondays with a heartbeat that is capable of expressing the life of Christ every day, everywhere. We used to sing a song whenever we was in uh, at a youth, our youth service. We are Christ ambassadors. We are Christ. Anybody ever remember that song? Three of us. We are Christ ambassadors and our colors. We must confer. We must show we're cleansed from sin and that Jesus dwells within, proving duly that we're truly Christ ambassadors. <laughs> what that means is, <laughs> I know it's funny, we always laughed at it too. But, 
But what it means is that we are representatives. When, when we send an ambassador to another country, they, they are a representative of the United States of America. So what we are, are people that have, represent a homeland, which is heaven, and we are ambassadors and representatives of the kingdom of God. Wherever we go, we are Christ's ambassadors. Hebrews 10.25, it says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. So this is interesting today that he said, let's not forsake meeting together as the manner of some are. In other words, some people don't think that they need to come together. And I want to talk to everybody online as well because it's, it's a little bit like, man, if I watch online, am I really meeting together with the church? And, and the, the, the online community that watches today, actually, there's more people watching online today than there are here. <laughs> so I want to talk to them for a second. And I just want to say that you were not created to be alone. And I want to encourage you as you watch to go and find somebody else to come watch with you. And this is what has happened in Tennessee with this group. Uh, Y'all in a wedding venue there come together to worship. Bless you for doing that. I want to encourage everybody watching online. If you can come to church. I mean, like if you're within 100 miles or so. (laughs) You really ought to be here. I mean, we'll drive 500 miles to go to a roping. We'll drive all, I mean, I hear people like, oh, I live in Conroe, that's just too far. What? What are you talking about? Jesus walked across up to Golgotha's Hill. I would think that we could drive 50 miles to go to church. Thank you, Johnny. So my challenge today, my challenge today is who we are. The devil wants to lie to you and tell you you're not good enough. Amen. Well, it's true. <laughs> None of us are really good enough. Amen. But because of Jesus, he made, he made us worthy. And because of that, we are good enough for Jesus. And if we're good enough for Jesus, we can take his message out into the world. You see, a lot of things, at times, a lot of times the things that intimidate us is our own actions. And then we listen and we watch ourselves. Nobody knows me better than me. Nobody knows you better than you. And then you let, we, a lot of times we listen to the enemy and, and the enemy says, you're not good enough because you're, you're still doing this or you're not, you're not really following Christ good enough to be a good example. I'm going to tell you how to get over that. A lot of times what's messed up churches in the past is that, that we have never really been honest with ourselves about who we are. 
Because once we get honest with ourselves and we realize that we are a royal priesthood, he didn't say, if you do everything right, then you can be a part of the priesthood. Even the priests messed up. But we have an advocate with the Father. We, in other words, this, this, this sacrifice that Jesus made, he knows our issues, he knows our problems, but he also knows that if we will be honest with ourselves, that's why I tried, Darla taught me how to do that. She taught me how to be transparent with my issues. And when I bring my issues and talk to you about all my problems and all my issues, and that I'm not perfect either, then you can go, wow, I guess, I guess I'm not that abnormal. <laughs> and if he can talk about it and if people can come to Christ, with his things, maybe I can talk about it and I can bring Christ to other people because I'm not perfect either, but it's not really about you being perfect at all. It's about serving the one who is perfect and recognizing, hey, I got issues, but it's not about me. It's about him and I'm sharing Christ with you because I'm on a journey, I'm under construction and I'm going to get to the place that God wants me to get to. I'm not there yet, but I'm trying and that's all God expects out of you is to accept him as your personal savior and begin to walk in the light as he sheds the light in your path. No longer be offended by the light, but embrace the light and let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works, not to glorify you, but to glorify the father which is in heaven. That's the goal this morning, to glorify the father which is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. By the way, disobedience is always a detriment to spiritual growth. That's why we have church. And that's why a lot of people quit going to churches because they don't like what the preacher said. Yeah. <laughs> See, we have, to, we have to embrace the challenges and the love of God, but we also have to embrace the discipline of God. And a grace, when God gives us grace, with grace, when we think about grace, is God's favor. And that God, he's, it's like we're getting off the hook for our problems. But really what he's saying, grace isn't just about giving feel-good vibes. Grace is also about bringing discipline. You remember Jesus, right? I mean, he, he, uh, whenever he, he cleared the temple and, and when he was talking to the, the Pharisees, he says, y'all are just, you're like, you're like, he was in the cemetery. He said, y'all like these whitewashed tombs on the outside. You're all clean and everything. But on the inside, you're like dead men's bones. You're dead on the inside, but, but outside you're like, oh, you're just, you just got everything right. Your clothes are all clean and you just like, like pious. But on the inside, you're like dead men's bones. And the Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and what? Truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. You can't be full of grace without being full of the truth. Grace also brings truth and with truth sometimes brings discipline. Now, us, with our, us people that have egos, we don't want to be disciplined. By God or anybody, especially the preacher. Who gives him the right to do that? You see, you got, we've got to realize that when discipline comes, it's because God deeply loves us. 
and he wants what's best for us. When we actually believe that, then we begin to embrace the discipline that he brings. And, and whenever that happens, we say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, goodness. Is, any, is there anybody here that... Uh, Anybody here, you kind of have a problem loving people? <laughs> Everybody's laughing and nobody's raising their hands. When I was a, when I was a kid, I prayed. You, you, you've heard me say this before, I'm sure most of y'all, but I didn't. My dad would come home from board meetings at the church and just mad and crying and hurt and everything and, and just taking it. And that's part of why I got so jaded, I guess. But when I was a, when I was a teenager, I had a preacher. We had a preacher coming. He was preaching about loving God and loving people. And he said, if you don't love people, you don't really love God. And I'm like, I need to leave this place. I don't like this. I need to go to the bathroom. So instead of running out the back door, I ran up to the altar. Y'all come on with me now. I said, instead of running out the back door, mad, I ran to the altar. You know you can fix everything at the altar? Amen. These altars don't get used much anymore. It's kind of sad. It's real sad. I'm going to tell you what. Read Matthew chapter 6. It's pretty good about It's a pretty good story about being the church. But I was praying. I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't really like people, let alone love them. He's like, I know, I know. <laughs> I said, Lord, teach me how to love people. Because I know that that's a prerequisite to me pleasing you. And I do want to please you, Lord. At that point in time, something happened on the inside of me. And I, I can't even explain it, but like, it's still crazy how much God answered that prayer. I mean, I, I start crying just baptizing people, changing people's lives. What a blessing. It's interesting to me that we always have a option. I love options, by the way. Anybody with me? Like, like, because if, if you don't like one, you, like, it's kind of like grape popsicles and cherry popsicles. If you want a cherry and they're out, you just get a grape because you still got your options. But I love options. God said this. He said, I set before you life and death. Choose life. 
And there's been times when I wanted to run. And then there's been times when I did run. But when I ran from God, instead of running to God, it was always a problem. Y'all with me? When I was a little kid, I was probably eight years old, seven, eight years old. I'd had enough at the house. I decided I was going to run away from home. Anybody ever run away from home? Raise your hand if you ran away from home. We are the run away from home. Yeah, we can start a, 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 a life group. Those who ran away from home. <laughs> so I run out the back door. I'm mad about something. I don't even remember what it was, honestly. But I ran out the back door, ran into the backyard, jumped the fence, and got about halfway past the, out into the middle of the neighbor's yard. And they had a big dog that I'd forgotten about. <laughs> and that dog took in after me, and I ran and jumped right back into the yard and ran back into the house and hugged my mama. <laughs> That's my running away from home story. It didn't last very long. I was never good at running away. We all have options. You can run from God or you can run to God. You run out into that world and you isolate yourself where the wolves and the lions and the tigers and the bears. There's people out there that will eat you up. Everybody know what I'm talking about so far. They'll take everything you got and spit you out and they won't love you out there. The church is here to love. We are here to love you, to help you find Christ as your Savior, to grow in Christ, to reach, teach, disciple, baptize, worship. We got a purpose around here, and that's to honor and glorify God. That's why God made the church. You are the church. Let's keep running to him. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Today, oh God, we, we surrender all to you. Thank you, Lord, for your people. Thank you for loving us enough to be a part of your family, a part of your kingdom, that we can be the royal priesthood of God, to have access to your presence, oh God. What a privilege. May we always, always, always understand that it's a privilege to have access to you. Thank you, Father God. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second this morning. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him, God will not make you serve him. It's a gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God, not of works. But it's something that God wants to give to you. If you've never accepted him, the Bible says we've all sinned. I've sinned. Everybody's sinned. Come short of the glory of God. But he said that if we would accept him as our personal savior, that we could have an eternal destination and we could have a relationship with the King of Kings and we could begin to walk in the fullness of life. If you've never done that, maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. Thank you up here. Yep, thank you. Anybody else? We're gonna put a Bible in your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Thank you so much. Yes, bless your heart right here, right here. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Leave your hand up high until we get a Bible in it. Anybody else? Preacher? Yeah, thank you, baby. Thank you.
Thank you so much. What a privilege. Anybody else before we move on? I never, never thought it was right to beg somebody to take the best gift they'd ever been made available to them. Yep, thank you. God bless you, partner. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Anybody else? Amen. Listen to me. If you've raised your hand, I want you to look up at me. If you raise your hand, would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Come on up here. Back here. Yep, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Back in the back. Come on up, buddy. Come on. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, thank you. You got some. Okay, so would you like to come? Yeah, thank you. God bless you. I'm proud of you guys. Oh, bless your heart. Yes, you do. Yeah, bless your heart. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Okay, look here. What I want to do, I want to help you pray, okay? I'm so proud of you. Here's what the Bible says. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised you from the dead, that we'll be saved. I want to help you pray. Can we do that? Y'all help us pray. Just, re just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. For my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward. I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible. To pray. Show up, for church Show up for church and get baptized. And get baptized. And I, love you, I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm so proud of y'all. Bless you. Bless your heart. Listen, listen. Everything, part of faith says that you've been forgiven. I want y'all to know that. That, that it's a new day. And it's not that you won't have to ask Jesus to forgive you in the future. But now that God lives inside of you, you can, you can live for him and he'll help you every day. Okay? Go visit these guys over here for just a second if you don't mind. Thank you. Would you mind standing with me, please? Yeah, thank you, buddy. If you raised your hand and you didn't come up, please don't feel bad. I encourage you, if, the, if you prayed that prayer in your heart, I encourage you to get baptized and, and, and just, just follow through because it's not, it's not a, walking up the aisle doesn't save you. What, what happens on the inside of your heart is what saves you. So I just want to say that. I may say I don't really feel like a priest. <laughs> Sometimes I don't feel like I'm a royal priest. I'll tell you what, I think today God wants us all to accept the position that he's placed us all in and uh, to walk in it and begin to understand the value of being the church, being the church. Can I pray for y'all? Let's all raise our hands, both our hands and surrender to God. Lord, with our hands lifted up and our mouth filled with praise, with a heart of thanksgiving, oh God, we bless you. I thank you, Lord, for these that have come up this, this today to, to be blessed and to accept you as their Savior. 
I lift all of us up, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be a part of your kingdom. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given us access to you. And I thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Bless everybody here today. Bless everybody watching online, everybody watching in Tennessee, everybody watching wherever they're at, all over the world, oh God. Bless them, I pray. And may they grow in you and find somebody to assemble with and to do church with them. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. We sure do love you. Thank you so much.